0: If you've been with my podcast long enough, it's probably no surprise that when we try to get God off the hook for something that we are uncomfortable with, it ends up creating more problems than it solves. And when it comes to the question of what happens to people who never hear the gospel, it is no different. Hey everyone, my name is Ray Burns, and I want to encourage Christians to think biblically about every area of their lives so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. Now today, we're going to be talking very simply about salvation and what happens to those who do not have it when they die. Now, when we think about salvation, really no matter how we spin it, salvation itself just isn't fair. Because depending on which side of it you fall on, either you think that it's unfair that there are some who go to heaven and others go to hell simply because Christians are the ones that were lucky or smart enough or just kind of lucked in to realizing their need for Jesus Christ and asking him to save them. Now, on the other hand, we can see that salvation is unfair because it's really not fair that anyone should go to heaven. None of us deserve it. None of us can do any good on our own to be able to say to God, hey, look at what I've done to deserve this free gift that you've given me through Jesus Christ. The reality is that salvation is ridiculously unfair because the only innocent person who has ever lived is Jesus Christ. And yet he is the one who took the punishment for our sins so that God could look at us as though we were perfect and sinless. That's not fair. That is a very hard thing for us to think about when we have a, a true and genuine measure of how unworthy we are of God's grace. But somewhere in the middle there, Wherever you fall on how you think about salvation, the one thing that we need to ask and honestly answer is what happens to those people who don't hear the gospel and accept it, or don't hear the gospel and reject it, but instead never get a chance to hear the gospel at all. Now, one popular belief, and one that I think gives us the most comfort on a human level, is the idea that if someone doesn't hear the gospel, then either they go to some sort of kind of intermediate state, a middle ground, uh, the Catholic Church has purgatory, maybe there's just a nothingness to it. But whatever it is, we we have a hard time saying that if someone doesn't hear the gospel and dies guilty of their sins, it's it doesn't taste right to us. It doesn't feel good to say that God would hold them accountable for their sins, to punish them and to send them to hell, because they didn't reject Jesus. They never even knew who Jesus was in this life. And so we want to find, you know, maybe say they can't go to heaven, but they definitely don't deserve hell. And so we'll say that there's some kind of middle afterlife for them. Uh, The alternative is to say that they, they just get to go to heaven. Maybe it's a lesser version of heaven. You know, we might have different ways of thinking about it. But ultimately, we want to say that because they didn't reject Christ, because they didn't know they were breaking God's law, it's not fair for God to keep them out of heaven, to punish them. And so however we want to we want to justify it, we ultimately want to say that nothing happens to someone who doesn't get a chance to hear the gospel. And again, that's a very comforting thought, but let's just really think about the logical conclusion that this has to lead us to. Because if we're going to believe something, we have to see it to its end. We have to think about not just how it affects how we think about salvation, but how we think about how that impacts everything we know about life and about God's word. And so... Let's just look at the massive problem and really the monster that it turns Jesus Christ into if we think that nothing happens and there is no punishment for those who die never hearing the gospel. So in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Christ says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So a simple one, one that we've all heard. But let's think about what that means if Jesus Christ knew that those who didn't hear the gospel and died would have no punishment. Because if that's true, if that is how our universe works, if that's how God has designed things, and that's how his justice and his judgment work, then here's what's going to happen in this world as Christ sends people out. One, people will hear the gospel and they will believe and they will have eternity with God. People will hear what the gospel and reject it, and then they will be condemned to eternal punishment in hell. Or, number three, the disciples would go out, but there would be people that would still not hear the gospel. And those people, because they never heard the gospel and because they never had a chance to reject it, would be safe. And when they reached heaven, they would not be held accountable for having rejected the gospel. So let's think about what Christ is doing here then. What he's saying is. I know that it would be better for people to never hear the gospel so that they can die and go to heaven and not have punishment. But instead, I'm going to tell you to go out there and tell them the good news about me. And let's just hope that those people you tell all accept it. Because otherwise, because they've heard the gospel, they will go to hell if they reject it. And so what that means for us then, ultimately, is that to tell someone the gospel, to take our kids to church, to do anything related to Jesus Christ is actually an incredibly unloving thing because what we do is we condemn these people to hell. It would be much better and much more loving for us to keep our mouths shut, to never say anything. That way, they won't hear the gospel and reject it, and we won't have that guilt of us not you know, saving them or winning them or being clever enough or whatever we need to do to get them saved, because now that the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, these people now have to get saved or be condemned for their sin. And so we see that this, this popular idea, no matter how comforting it is, it turns us into monsters. It turns Jesus Christ into a, a terrible God, If it's only by them knowing who he is that people can be held accountable for their sin. And so, you know, logically, biblically, this just doesn't make sense. It it doesn't make sense that there is some kind of intermediate state because the Bible doesn't talk about that. You know, you have to have to go really far afield or you have to get involved in something like the Roman Catholic Church where they have other texts besides the Bible to get their teachings from. But if we are sticking purely to the Bible, we have to say there is a heaven or there is a hell, and that is the eternity of all people. So if we realize that we have no choice but to believe that salvation and forgiveness of sins is only for those who place their trust in Jesus Christ, then another, I think, logical and fair question that we as people who are made in God's image and want justice and want fairness in the universe, what we then want to ask is, how is it fair that these people who never hear the gospel can be punished? You know, what about, you know, the the very cliche, classic question of, well, what about the innocent man in remote Africa who, you know, he's never even been exposed, you know, his whole tribe, you know, village, they've never been exposed to the gospel. How is it fair for God to hold them accountable? And so we can see this in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, which very cleanly sums up how people can still be held accountable So what is this saying? Very simply, there is no innocent guy tucked away somewhere in the world who's never had communication with, let's call it, the outside world. There's no such thing as an innocent person. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not a question of whether they know the Bible and know God's law to know if they're breaking it. God says that he has revealed himself clearly enough to people that they know there is a God out there who created everything. We know right and wrong enough that we know there is something beyond ourselves that informs our sense of morality. And so on the day of judgment, no one's going to stand before God and say, well, but this isn't fair. I didn't even know you existed because all God's going to have to do is just wave his arms behind him and just show them the entire universe, and, and say, how could you not know I existed, looking at everything around you and thinking that it just all came out of nowhere? God's going to hold people accountable for not knowing him or, or worshiping him simply because they can see the universe. They can understand right and wrong within themselves, and yet they still didn't worship God and give him reverence. Now, the next thing we should be doing is holding up our hand and saying, whoa, 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 but they don't know God. You know, people all throughout history have been worshiping deities thinking, oh, well, this clearly had to be made by something. So let's create, you know, a raven god or, or, you know, the Greek pantheon or whatever different cultures throughout the world have created as deities. We can see that people have tried to attribute creation to something beyond themselves. They've tried to worship something. And we just want to say, well, they just got it wrong because they didn't have the Bible to tell them otherwise. But here is what's going to kind of leave, lead us into our next reali- realization, is that, yes, people have worshiped gods all throughout history, right? Even in, in ancient biblical times. I mean, we see, we see that false gods existed even back then. But what all these gods have different from the true God of the universe is that all gods exist to one degree or another in order to serve the needs of people, they erect statues they have rituals they have all this stuff built around pleasing these gods so that they can get something out of that god it's not about worshiping the god because that god is worthy of worship because because that god is majestic and beautiful and good but because by worshiping they have a transactional relationship where if i do these sacrifices if i hold to these laws then you will give me something in return now beyond the scope of this episode, but let's not ignore the fact that many of us have that relationship with God as well. And that's where we need to ask, are we truly worshiping the true God of the universe or just a God that we have set up in order to have that same kind of transactional relationship where I worship God, I read my Bible, I go to church, I do all this. Now, God, you give me what I deserve. If that's the relationship we have with God, we need to ask if we are truly worshiping God or just worshiping something named God Who gives us the stuff that we want? But back on track, let's now look at sort of the individual accountability that people have. Because again, fair enough. People can look at the universe and say, wow, there's a creator there, but I don't know who it is. You know, God hasn't, you know, signed his artist name in the stars to let us know who he is. We can't, he doesn't just, you know, hand deliver us a book whenever we start to say, hmm, I wonder who made this. And, you know, an angel comes down and lets us know what's up. So, how is it that people will? still be held accountable for their sin, for the life that they've lived? How can God still punish them for it if they didn't have the law, if they didn't know what God said about right and wrong? Well, it turns out that they still do know right and wrong, and yet still don't care. In Romans chapter 2, verses 14 to 16, it says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law or a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or defending them, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. So, no, no one's going to be able to look up at the stars, look at the intricacies of the water cycle, look at how a tree grows and say, wow, it is really wrong for me to yell at my kids. I need to stop doing that. I need to repent. No one's going to say, yeah, that shows me that murder is wrong. That shows me that cheating on my wife is wrong. We can't get that from looking at the natural world. Very true. But that doesn't change the fact that all throughout history we see cultures who know that murder and theft and adultery and lying are wrong you know God's word clearly says that it is written on our hearts and understanding what we know about the, the general makeup of man that we are made in God's image that we have that we share in God's nature and that we we are more than just animals that think really well we have, God's love of justice and and the knowledge of right and wrong we have that written on our hearts corrupted hearts to be sure but it's there nonetheless and so in Romans here we see that even people who have never heard God's law you know they've they have no idea what the whole you know Ten Commandments are about and all this stuff with Moses and Israel and all that people who have never heard that they still know what is right and wrong and they still say I don't care I'm gonna do what I want and that is at the very least, is what God is going to judge them by because they know what's right. They know what's wrong, and yet they reject the good for the bad. They choose to act selfishly. They choose to love themselves more than what is written in their hearts and what is convicting them otherwise. So ultimately, we can sum that up as our consciences. God gave us our consciences to convict us. You know, we are being influenced by the power of God in the world, and we know what's right and wrong and ignore it. And that's why in Romans 3, Uh, verses 10 to 12, it says, just summed up, You know, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. So we can sit here today in our modern world and try to argue about morality, good and evil. We can say they're social constructs. They're things that have just been a part of man, but they're not real. But that is not what God says. That is not how God has designed things. We can try to, you know, like Romans 1 talks about how we try to suppress the truth. You know, we can try to to hold it down. We can try to say things and believe things that justify our behaviors and our actions. We can try to argue our way out of our consciences all we want. But God very clearly says that there is no one who does good. That we will all be judged for the actions that we do because whether or not we know the Bible, whether or not we've been to church or grew up in a Christian nation, or have even heard the name Jesus Christ, we still are guilty for our thoughts and our actions in this life. And so the ultimate fate of those who never hear the gospel is the exact same as the fate of those who hear it and reject it. And that is punishment for their sin. There's no loophole that we can jump through to try to get God off the hook and say, oh, God wouldn't be so terrible. God's not terrible. God is just. God is good. A good and just God must punish evil. No matter how little we think of evil, no matter how much we try to downplay it, God sees it for what it is, and he treats it exactly how it must be treated. The only question is, what do we as his people do and think about it do we try to excuse it away does it make us uncomfortable do we try to make excuses for god and get him off the hook or do we accept that what god says is true and live our lives as though it is true and as christians this is where this question really should matter to us because you know we can sit here and we can have our get out of hell free card and say hey i'm good i was able to you know think well enough or be moral enough or whatever we want to think about ourselves and we're saved we are safe no matter what we do. And so we just want to kind of sit comfortably until the day of our death or the day of Christ's return. But we have to realize that there are those out there dying in their sin. And we can't just be so self-satisfied that we pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, good for us, we did it, we're part of the club. We need to have a love for people. We need to have a burden for people. And realize that God doesn't just want to punish people because he's mean, he punishes them because he must. And it's only through hearing about Jesus Christ his death on the cross to pay for our guilt before God and the free gift he offers in salvation. That is the only way that they can escape God's wrath. And they're not going to just kind of trip and stumble into salvation because they see us living our lives and say, wow, they're really nice. They're really happy. I want to get some of that because I've said before, the Christian life isn't meant to be something that's sunshine and rainbows and people want to just look at us like we're moralistic millionaires and just want a piece of what we have. Some people will notice what's different in us, and they should, because we should be weird. We should be completely against anything else in the world. But people don't hear the truth of the gospel by looking at our lives just as much as they don't hear the truth of the gospel by looking at the trees and the stars. They see something there, but that's not enough for salvation. Instead, remember what Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 17 says, and I'm going to shorten this up, but it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So remember, faith doesn't come by observing the world. Faith doesn't come by good intentions. It comes from hearing the truth of God, not hearing us say nice things, not hearing us be nice people. That is a good testimony. But if they don't know that everything we do is motivated by a love of Jesus Christ, and if those people don't know that Jesus Christ isn't just this optional way we choose to live our lives, but he is the only one worth following, he is the only way to heaven, then they're not going to understand what a saving faith really is. They're just going to understand what good morality and what good principles can be found in parts of the Bible. But on top of that, it's not about us having to be perfect in our delivery of the gospel. You know, a lot of times, a lot of us, and I know myself included, we feel unworthy. We feel, you know, like we know it in our heads and we could maybe write it out very easily. But when it comes to an actual back and forth conversation with someone where they're asking questions and maybe we're not prepared for, or we, you know, have that, that mind blank moment where, oh, I know this verse, I know what the Bible says, I have read the Bible before, trust me you know, we'll have those moments where we'll blank. And so we feel like, you know, I don't want to risk condemning someone to hell because I was, you know, incapable or, or, you know, fat-tongued when trying to give someone the gospel. But God doesn't call us to be perfect or convincing or, you know, these great speakers and things like that. He just calls us to be faithful. We are witnesses of Jesus Christ. We have seen the truth of it. And all we're called to do is just tell others Maybe that's you being a missionary, maybe that's you going door to door, or maybe that's you just being open and honest with people in your lives and just letting them know, hey, this is what I know is truth and I want to tell you about it. It's very simple. And a lot of people, especially where we live in the world right now, I mean, there's people who might be hostile to it, but a lot of people at the very least will appreciate that you care about them enough that you believe this thing is true and want them to know um, you know, I've, I've always been um, so touched by a story by um, a guy named Penn Pen Gillette from the uh, Penn and Teller Magicians duo. Um, he is a very outspoken atheist. But one thing I remember him saying is that he so appreciates Christians who give him the gospel instead of those who are afraid to. Because he knows that even though he doesn't believe it, even though he thinks it's just nonsense, these people believe it enough and they love him enough, despite how against them he is, that they want to tell him because they believe that he has an immortal soul that is in danger of eternal punishment in hell. Now, it's, as far as I know, it hasn't changed his thoughts on who God is and what his law calls him to do. But that is the testimony that some Christians in his life have given him, that they have simply said, I love you enough to tell you about this. So as God's people, all we want to do is recognize that those who do not have the gospel, whether they've heard it or whether they haven't heard it, if they don't have Jesus Christ as their Savior, if he has not paid the punishment for their sins, their sins still have to be paid for. And if Christ isn't going to do it, then the the bill falls on them. Their guilt is still on their own heads. And when they stand before the throne of God, if their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's only one thing that can possibly happen to them. So let's not try to get God off the hook. Let's believe what he says and then live as though it's true. Now, I do want to kind of close this very briefly by saying that I know this is probably going to raise some more necessary questions. And a big one that I want to make sure I'm being very sensitive to and that I'm not leaving people in the dark about is what about children? Whether it's children who die in the womb, whether through natural causes or abortion, children who die before you know they're able to actually understand what the gospel could possibly be, what happens to them? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that this episode. I think that would be a good one for a future episode. And if people actually want to hear about it, I'm more than happy to make an episode on it sooner rather than later. But I will, in the show notes, uh, link to the article I wrote about that. Um, but for now, just know that there is hope. And I think there is comfort for those who have possibly either lost a child before they were able to understand the gospel, or just those who are sensitive and have a heartbreak for those children who are lost and wondering what happens to them who are not able to hear the gospel. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. This podcast and ministry are supported purely through God and through listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, there are three ways you can do it. The first is that I would ask for prayer, both for myself and the ministry in general. The second is that you can support it through outreach by sharing this episode with people and helping them maybe better understand what the fate of those who never hear the gospel is. And the third is that you can support by donating either one time or every month to kind of help cover the costs of maintaining everything I do. And you can do that by either visiting a link down in the show notes or visiting patreon.com slash onward in the faith. I hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith toward maturity in Christ.